How's it going? Uh, my job today is to make my co-host Alan late to his next class. This is your host, Michael Unterberg. How's it going, Alan? This is great. It's actually really teacher's lounge, like right between classes, yeah. popping in, grabbing something to eat and drink, having a little bit of a conversation and running off to class. We, we, as advertised, we don't get around. The teacher's lounge is the conversation the teachers had, and the point of sharing it with you is so that you can always feel connected to what's going on in Israel no matter where you are. Awesome. We got a, we got a shout-out at, uh, at uh, Harova this week. They had a teacher appreciation. Uh, yeah, and the person who talked about our class said that pe- she really recommended that people download and listen to it. Oh, nice. Yeah, we're very happy. Uh, it's, nice. it's, it's very gratifying to get a shout-out. So today, we, in our, I guess this is going to be more or less a mini-episode. We're trying a different uh, geographical location. Same idea, still a bagel shop, but uh, we're at Bagel Bites. In, in Katamon. Yeah, it's a pretty good sandwich. And what we're talking about today is democracy. I think that with news in America and Israel, and there are sort of, I would describe it broadly as a set of moves by leaders to, of, the, of executive leadership to make sure that their power was less challengeable. So in America, you know, we have the, the James Comey, we have all sorts of weird stories. But here in Israel, Alan, what would you say are steps in the last... I don't know, half a year that have given Netanyahu, that made, made Netanyahu critics concerned that he's acting a little bit too authoritarian. So we have, and we discussed it in a previous episode, messing with television news, messing with written news by maybe corroborating with Ynet, uh, Yisrael Hayom, which is uh, a paper designed to make his administration look good. Mouthpiece mouthpiece administration, but that's already for many years been going yeah. on in Israel. Well, I'm just trying to chalk up the list of yeah. things that you wouldn't say are in the spirit of separation of powers and balance of powers, which aren't exactly the same thing. Uh, both are important. What other steps? Uh, you have this, uh, this Jewish law now that they're working on in the Knesset. So that... that, that it recycles every now and then, whereas, I mean, in the past, uh, Avigdor Lieberman, who's now the defense minister, has fought for, like, a loyalty, um, I don't know, loyalty clause, oath, loyalty oath um, among uh, Arab uh, Israeli citizens. Um, now you have, again, this coming up at something that's a favorite of, of Prime Minister Netanyahu is the um, Jewish state law. That um, recognize Israel. Israel. Th- there's no laws where it says that Israel is a Jewish state. Even though in, in the Declaration of Independence, it clearly makes it um, the the character of state is Jewish, but it's nowhere enshrined in law. So they want that, that becomes a real challenge to democracy. In other words, you can have a democracy where everybody is treated equally before the law, but it has a Jewish character, whether that's an ethnic or religious definition, is a different conversation. But you can have a country with a particular character. France has a particular character, and it's struggling. Most European countries are currently struggling because of the waves of immigration. How do we maintain our ethnic cultural identities with incoming cultures in a way that still allows them to be full citizens? And I think this is fairly challenging for Americans to uh, think about this, like to really grasp it, because America is based on 
this idea of almost like a neutral ethnic character in the public sphere. Well, is it or isn't it? In other words, is it is is that right? Because there are people. I think that people on the left think that. I think that's what Emma Lazarus was saying. You know, in the "Give Us Your Tired, Your Poor, Your Huddled Masses Yearning to Be Free" poem on the Statue of Liberty. But I think that there is certainly on the American right a sense that this was meant to be essentially uh, an outpost of white European. Uh, Enlightenment Christian culture, and so the argument in the argument in Europe is how do we maintain our ethno cultural identity in, with ways of immigration? The argument in the United States, I would say, is is that our problem? Some say, yeah, that is our problem. We do have an ethno cultural identity of Americans. It's the it's essentially the ethno national identity of the founding fathers is supposed to be the na- identity of America, and so we have the same problem that Europe has. And then there's another uh, 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 look in the United States which says, no, we're the country, like you said it, you hippie, <laughs> which is, you said, there is no ethno-cultural identity in the United States. It's ethno-cultural neutral. I, I mean, I think, again, I don't know if that's uh, practical, like what you're saying. In other words, it must be, like, really happening, but it is, I, I think there is this perception, uh, even though often I have these debates in class that students bring up, depending on where they're from, they'll say, no, well, Israel, America's really like a Christian country, or, you know, um, but I think that they're, you know... No, this is, I'm not making up that this is a debate, and I don't have to go to Pat Buchanan to find no, an articulator. Sure. I think Steve Bannon is an able, uh, art, you know, no. expressor of this yeah, idea. Yeah. No, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is I don't think it's as sharp as what I see in Europe, right? For, for instance, you go you go to Europe during the Christmas season, and it is blatantly religious in the public sphere. Well, you know, uh, where in Europe? Uh, so mostly as I mostly travel in Poland, which is 90%, because it, it, 90% Catholic country today. I think it's difficult for Americans to understand how incredibly secularized Western Europe is. Right. In other words, America, American culture still has aspects of Christianity in the public sphere in a way that, that don't exist in Europe. American politicians on the national level often boast about their religious bona fides trying to show how deeply, sincerely religious they are, which never happens in Europe because Europeans think religion is weird at this point. I, I was. I, and you're right. You're Ben's. We, we, we were. I think being too general. What we mean by Europeans, right? Something like less than thirty percent of Czechs believe in God. Right. Um, but if you go to other places, it's really Central Europe, but more Western. Right. I'm really talking about Western Europe, right. where religion is weird. I, I was sitting on a plane next to an Austrian fellow who could not understand why an Orthodox Jew would be an Orthodox Jew. In other words, why would you do old rituals? Now. Okay, so that's totally anecdotal. But in America, religious piety is not seen as something weird. But in Austria, he was like, but why would anyone do that? And, and, and he said, uh, Christians too. I don't understand why anybody. He was like, yes, if you want to go to church, he got it. But why would you ever perform a religious ritual? It just seems so ancient. And from his Western European sense of identity, that was weird. So what you're calling as it's a fuzzier debate in America, I'm saying it's a different debate in America. In Europe, the debate is how do we retain our ethno-national identity while absorbing massive numbers of immigrants? In the United States, the question is, it's up to a question, should we have, do we have an ethno-national identity, or are we absolutely neutral, and therefore whoever comes in, comes in, ali, ali, oxen free? 
and we're not uh, melting pot, we're a mosaic. Because I guess if you look at, for instance, national holidays, America has very few national holidays, right? Which are like binding, like not binding, but like uh, um, bring the nation together. Listen, ever since I made Aliyah, it feels like they have an endless number of them in the United States because Israel has like almost none. What, national holidays? Yeah, Memorial no, Day, Labor Day, President's no, no. Day, no, Veterans uh, Day. Give me a break. You're making a mistake. What mistake? Pesach is a national holiday. Nachon, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making a mistake, but those are clustered around Jewish Chagim. I want yeah. uh, I want a Sunday off now and then, man. Well, that's your matzmut, but you know. Yeah, I want the long weekend. No, it's election day. The only election the day. only no. thing to me that feels like an American bank holiday, a long weekend, is election day, and we need but more of those. Tuesday. By the way, you know why we need Tuesday, more? Though. It's a Tuesday, so that never helps because said there, but having it only once in a blue moon also never helps. You know why I really do think it's important, and I'm not joking. Uh, hobbies. Yes. Not only that, family who don't live around if you're a religious person right if you're an orthodox or 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 religiously observant or you don't drive into those things on on shabbos or yantif then it's very problematic because you don't see people who aren't within walking distance of you oh but then i get together with my brother we get together on chagim and you know and, our, and all the cousins get together so in Chal- not only Cholomoyed, we get together for Chag also. No, I'm saying, yeah, but then you have to stay at people's houses. I mean, suppose in America... Are you saying my brother shouldn't want to stay in my house? What, what's wrong with my house? It, well, okay. I'm not even going to go there. But you, but you do live over the Green Line. Um, <laughs> no. Well, so does he. Yeah. No, but, uh, no, but what I mean is you can't get together for Sunday night, you know, Sunday afternoon lunch or dinner, you know, and just like in it with an ease without making a whole... Like Shabbos, having lots of people come together for Shabbos is a big deal. Right. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of planning. You know, you can't just, uh, you know, meet, meet the grandparents for a brunch. No, I understand. But, but I find, uh, whatever. So, yeah. Anyway, my point is is that, by the way, they did. I think they passed this law where there's going to be six Sundays in the year. But I don't know when it's supposed to start. Oh, man, I am ready. Yeah. I am ready. Um, but those holidays in America are, are Thanksgiving itself right. so are, are distinctly Thanksgiving, American. Thanksgiving, July 4th. President's Day, maybe, but Memorial Day, Memorial Day Labor, Labor Day. Day. Yeah, but what are they? What, Veterans what, Day. What rituals are there Columbus. around there? What rituals that everybody goes around? Other than Thanksgiving, and, and I, I can't think of standard rituals that everybody does. You holiday snob. What, I have to light candles or have uh, milk eggs with my meal? No, to but what, 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 bond, what bonds the people together if it's not some kind of ritual? That's why Thanksgiving is so powerful. And, and, and Thanksgiving is, is the, uh, uh, you know, the American holiday. That what about Halloween and Valentine's Day? Uh, okay. Rituals, okay, and that's and that's what you see. I think Halloween has a stronger character than Memorial Day. I must sadly, I must say, but I think more people actually do something on Halloween than a Memorial Day that's connected to the day. Yeah, and those come from Christianity also. America has that weird combo, yeah. and the question is: is that does that define? Well, by the way, Halloween is not a day off. You know, it's a that's super, true. super ritual, right? The Hanukkah also we don't have a day off, right? But the question to you know oh, to actually a Hanukkah I think is half a day or something like that, a three quarter day or something like that. that. But I think to like let's say Steve Banner or Pat Buchanan, that's not that's not a bug that American holidays have so much Christian historical background to them. That's a feature. That's how America is designed to be a, essentially a Christian country that absorbs a certain amount of immigrants as long as they uh, 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 assimilate into Americanism. And others say, no, 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 that's a bug. That's because the founders were Christians, so you had this. But really, it's not a feature. America isn't meant to be particularly any ethnocultural identity. 
So the question is, is how do we get onto this conversation? Where because Israel, <laughs> because Israel is more like a European country in a lot of ways, but in this way also, that in Israel, uh, it, I think for Americans. What Israel is going through with arguments about something like the Jewish law seems odd because there is that side of the debate. Maybe America should be neutral. But Israel, in European countries, there is no idea that we should be nationally neutral. There's, there is such a thing as being French. There's clear ideas of what that is. It has to do with mindset. It has to do with lifestyle. It has to do with food. It has to do with music. And if you come in and you adapt, then that's not problematic. But if you come in and you don't adapt, but you maintain a hyphenated French identity, then that is a problem in France. And, and you know, despite Macron's victory last week, that, that will continue to be a problem. And the question is, what do you do? Do we change our definition of what we want France to be, like, like the far left in France? Or do we, you know, the far right is coming up with some pretty scary suggestions about what that means, about crushing any other cultural identity if you want to be a citizen of France. So so Israel's, Israel's struggles are, are, I think, very European. I don't think they're... We as a, uh, listen, you and I are both Americans. So we, our, we're not just English speakers, we're Americans. So we see this struggle as, as, as a... I think that Americans will often see this struggle as a weird problem that Israel has. And what I'm saying is it is not. It is a 21st century problem throughout the Western European world. Israel, as a country devoted to that same idea, trying to balance democracy and democratic values and ideas where everyone should be equal before the law and no distinction should be made based on ethnicity, culture. But you still want to preserve your ethnic cultural identity is struggling very similarly to European countries. And so it's interesting that you bring up the way. I don't know if I've really thought about it that way. But I'll ask you another question that maybe gets to another layer of this. I mean, even within what we call the Jewish people, we have multiple ethnicities. And how does, right, when we call adults, right, we have different groups who have essentially different ethnicities. So what, how do... So I don't think it is. I, 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 okay, so now, now I'm playing, I guess, semantics. But in my head, I don't call that ethnicity. Like my mother-in-law, God bless her, on Shabbos, will if, if if we have we often have students over for Shabbat, and if a student has let's say darker skin and curly hair, she'll say, "Well, what's your ethnicity?" And I've talked to her over time and saying, "You can it's it's polite to ask where somebody's family came from before they were here, you know, or where you know before in the in the states or England or wherever they're from, but it's not polite to ask what their ethnicity is because they're Jewish." So ask where their family hails from or something like that. Change it. It took her a while. I think, I think she's getting it. Because in my definition, Jews are an ethnic group. The fact is, we've been spread around the world, so we've picked up a lot of cultural and even DNA baggage from our journeys. But we're essentially one ethno-national group. So that that's exactly gets us into the discussion we've been having a lot about the dif- differences between ethnicity and nation and, you know... Um, I think I tend to go the other way with thinking that we're, that nations can have, and maybe that's a very American way of thinking of it, that nations can have multi-ethnic groups in that, in that one nation. 
I would say it's a particularly American way of looking at it, and I don't know that you have other examples other than the United States of America. We take for granted that that Italian-American, Irish-American, Asian-American, that these are normal things. They are not. Hyphenated, there's no hyphenated British person. Let's let's bring you back to to Napoleon. You know, Napoleon, when he gathers the, the Sanhedrin in 1810, let's say, something like that, and, uh, Are you doing a Corey impression from the uh, Foreign Policy uh, podcast, Bringing in History? <laughs> so he, he, he asked the Jewish leaders of France, 70 Jewish leaders, that he called a Sanhedrin. He said, okay, basically, what are you? How do you fit into this new French people that we've created? Um, are, you, are you like Christians, where you're a religion and then you have the nationality? Or are you... Are you um, a, such, a, a separate, separate ethno-national group. Yeah, a separate ethno-national group. Uh, and when Napoleon asks you that question, there's only one smart answer in that scenario, and they answered it, and they said, we are not a separate ethno-national group. And that had devastating repercussions to the Jews of Europe over the next 150 years. And, uh, and or, or you said devastating, it could also opposite, you know, in many ways. Help them to integrate, help them to... Well, I I think Zionism makes the argument that those short-term advantages in the long run didn't pan out because the because because and and that sort of if you Herzl recapitulates that 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 century's journey in his own lifetime, where he began in his early thoughts about the Jews uh, as an assimilationist and said that the solution to the quote-unquote Jewish problem is the Jews just have to assimilate. It's done. But but we definitely do see in the 19th century, early 20th century, and Herzl recognized that that was one of the big debates after the the, the First Zionist Congress that the Jews in Western Europe were far better off than the Jews in Eastern Europe, the ones who had the ability to integrate more into Western society. They were, but the promise. Way we can even argue that this whole the whole democratic nature of the state of Israel comes from that experience of of democracy and the you know the Western liberal tradition comes from that, as opposed to choosing the the Russian uh, Russian Eastern European model for the state of Israel. I'm talking 1948 now. Well, the Russian model in 1948 is not, uh, it's, a, it's a communist autocracy. Yeah, yeah I'm saying it, but they, they, they chose democracy over... They chose, their, they chose democracy because they believed as, in, as, as post-enlightenment human beings that that is... And I think they got that from that experience of their experience of the Jews in Western Europe as much as anything else. Well, but what, what, no, what frustrated you know Herzl, I think I do understand what you're saying, but I, I think it's more than that. It was just, to, it was just that denoting that whole experience in Western Europe was a devastating effect on Jewry is... No, no, no. What, what, what frustrated Herzl and other Zionists was that the promise of that integration was that it would end anti-Semitism, and it didn't. So integration wasn't sufficient. It had to be absolute assimilation. And Herzl, when Herzl realized that you can assimilate as much as you want, like, yeah, like, like Dreyfus, it doesn't really work. Like, you never really integrate enough. You never even assimilate enough. And so the only other alternative to Herzl was Zionism. So then we can't live an integrated life around. We have to, like the French and the Germans and the Austrians, have their ethno-national center. So we also have to have an ethno-national center and make that a state. But a political state based on democratic Western liberal values. Which is really the topic I wanted to get to, but I don't know that we're going to get to it today. But why? 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 Because that was their... I mean... 
I know you don't mean this, but the way you said it was like, because that's what they were used to. No, no, no. I mean, because that's what I think. No, Lehefek, uh, I'm saying. I'm saying because that's what they learned there. And that was that was such an awesome experience. So, so there was, I mean... No, but it's not just experiential, it's moral. In other words, you want to create a society where the individual rights of man are protected and women are protected so that people are free and government can't conspire to hurt citizens, that there's a social contract between the government right. and the people means the government has to serve the people. I, 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 yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I'm just saying I think that, that you know, we underestimate the actual potential of not having had taken that root in the government for our in, in the political system for our government because we had people who were heavily influenced by communism and socialism um, and those places um, so it, it, it really could have been that we would not have gone for a model of democracy and I think that, 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 that that's something that great came out of Jews being in Western Europe and being part of that whole development of liberal modern thought Would you agree with me that democracy presents the, the best moral structure for for how to run a society that the that the that the the system with the most moral safeguards for protecting the rights of individual human beings is always a democracy. I mean, if there's a word stronger than agree, like more agree, then like that's what I, w- I absolutely one hundred percent. I think that 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 is um, uh, a, a, the thing that we should be really striving for. I mean, it's clear um, that the shift to Inalienable rights of individuals for certain things like freedom and um, and uh, all these other things we talk about is is a change in the modern world, which is only a progression to um, a positive. And uh, and the idea that the idea, which I think is a, a, a essentially a Jeffersonian idea, the idea that that we want the world to continue to progress so that more and more. Uh, what was it about forty percent of the world lives in freedom of the human population lives now under free. Really democratic much? countries that much it's a third to uh, I, I don't remember it's, it's a 30 to 40 percent and so and so that's and th- but that's the goal that's part of the goal of making the world a better place is it's not democracy itself shouldn't be a cultural bias it's it's the right thing to do and the more openly democratic your society is the freer the people are the more the government serves the people instead of serves the leaders, the more advanced that society is, the better it is. Now, that's you could say that's my cultural bias as a, as a person who lives in the world. Okay. It's, def- it's definitely our cultural bias. It's definitely our cultural bias. And, it's, and that seemingly difficult, um, uh, I don't know, challenges or things are going on in America and even in Europe, these things with the local vote in France, whatever, not to get into it too much, is uh, I find it uh, worrisome. To me, the struggle is how do you get democracy to spread more and how do you improve how democracies work in the 21st century? But I don't think anyone should be talking about normalizing non-democracies as, as, ooh, that was noisy, as healthy societies. Sorry, listeners. Do you, do you agree with that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I, 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 mean, I should disagree, but I got to go run the class. So. <laughs> All right. So uh, maybe a somewhat shorter discussion than usual, but we'll be able to unpack many of these threads in the future uh, as they become relevant and as they continue to bother us more and more. Because I'm getting nervous, man. 
Yeah. I am. I, I, I think there's an added. I think we've forgotten how fundamentally important democracy is to building a better future, and we're sort of playing around with structures, and people are like annoyed. This is fundamentally important. The Enlightenment ideas that it's based on are the ideas. Since we all can agree on reality, we can have reasoned discourse to decide what, how best to solve our problems. You start undermining those. I mean, it, things like that are being undermined in culture today. Like we can't even agree on the facts of reality. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, on that exciting cliffhanger from a democratic free country, which I think needs to be more democratic and more free. Should we do a plug for Homo's event on Monday night? Anyone who downloads this episode, and it'll probably drop tomorrow, which will probably be Friday, uh, you can sign up for the premiere of the new Jerusalem U movie, Humus. And where would they find that information, Alan? Uh, you just got me there. <laughs> sort of a weird plug, but uh, you can contact us to find out, and we'll hopefully... We're on the Facebook page. We'll, maybe we'll post something on the Facebook page. Oh, so check our Facebook pages, and we'll uh, we'll let you know how to come to the movie uh, <laughs> as soon as we get that working. Uh, the well-oiled machine of Ju Israel. Thinking about my class that I got to run to. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Alan. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Bye, bye, everybody. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook at J uh, at uh, Teachers Lounge Podcast. You can uh, always find us on our website, Ju Israel. .jerusalemu.org still really don't like that URL and the more feedback you give us the happier we are please recommend it to friends any way you can and boy oh boy we're still waiting for our first review on iTunes so if somebody just wants to be a super nice person and help us out we'd love that thanks Alan thanks Mike bye bye Thank <laughs> you.